just want to thank you guys for being here. Moments like this, um, as a church body, that, that we need to gather together, and we need to cry together, and we need to pray together, and we need to sing songs about God together. This is a time as a church where, in a sense, we just kind of circle up the wagons a little bit. And maybe you're new with us, and maybe you just stumbled in, and maybe a friend invited you, and you have no idea what's going on. But as Matt said, we lost a dear high school student, very involved, happy-go-lucky kid. And his father is one of our elders and one of my best friends, and his mother as well. And their family is so dear to so many of us. And if you're not a part of this community, and again, if you just stumbled in, that's okay, because you need to know about them. And you need to be a part of this family, even if it's just for one day, even if you're just visiting and you're going back home to another state. That's okay. We don't apologize for, for taking difficult situations on um, and facing them head on. We had a message prepared, and there's points, and there's illustrations, and, and all that stuff, and that's, that's gone now. And, and we talk about reality, and we talk about God, and we want to talk this morning about what do we do when we're faced with unspeakable tragedy and grief. This is not a memorial service. That's going to be at 4 o'clock, and we want to honor that and give that all the weight that it deserves from the speakers and, and from the slideshows and everything else. And as Matt said, we invite you to that and to worship and to feel the weight of that then. And that's not what this morning is going to be. But at the same time, we just recognize as a family, we've all got the same questions and we are all hurting. And there's no easy answers and there's no quips that are going to solve it. So what we do at times like this is we go to scripture and we talk about truths that are there when the times are great and in triumph and also in tragedy. So that's what we want to enter into here this morning. And so just, just a couple of scriptures that God has brought to our minds collectively that I want to share with you. And then we're going to end with some more songs about who God is and and an opportunity for you to pray, an opportunity for you to worship. I think that's really important for us at these moments to have an accurate frame by which we view these things. And we're in such a unique situation as humans right now in the 21st century because we're on, we're on the wrong side of Eden. We're on the back side of that. You know, we long for family and love and simplicity and peace, but we all know what happened in Genesis chapter 3, and we're on the other side of that. And we know that the earth now is cursed and sinful and broken, and there's evil that entered in and is permeating and at times overflowing. And we're on the back side of that, and unfortunately we're on the wrong side of heaven as well. We know there's going to be a, a time where we're with Jesus and that pain is no more and tears are no more, but we're not there yet. We're just stuck in this middle. And in the book of Romans, 
chapter 8 just gives us some pretty unbelievable framework for it. You don't need to turn there. We've got some things on the screen. Again, this was brought about quickly, and thankfully our tech guys are awesome and got some of this stuff up here, and some we're just going to have to take in, and there's not points for everything. We're just going to have to hold on to it and ask the Spirit of God to bring it back to our memory. But perhaps you're asking yourself the question, where is God at this moment? And I promise you at 4 o'clock today, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of high school students from Green Hope and Panther Creek and teenagers in general that they don't have a framework of God and undoubtedly they're asking because we're going to be talking a lot about God and about Jesus and bringing hope and undoubtedly they're going to be saying well where is God at this moment sure does seem like he's really far away and he's distant and in Romans chapter 8 we get a framework of of where is God and what is he doing right now what kind of God do we serve right now what is he doing right now well a few things we need to understand about who God is. In Romans chapter 8, man, everybody jumps all the way to the end of it, right? In, in that incredible passage about God and his graciousness and his love, and, and there's a time for that, but I want to I wanna go a little earlier than that. In Romans chapter 8, and verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Listen to this. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain that freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, listen to this. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The creation, the planet, earth, that's so beautiful and that we make documentaries of that we watch called Blue Ocean and Planet Earth and all these other things, that's beautiful, but it's groaning. Natural disasters and evil and killing and starvation are all the earth groaning for God to come back down and redeem the planet. Not only does creation groan, look at verse 23, and not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as well as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. And I know that you guys have felt that as I have. When you hear that news or when you got that email or when you got that text or when you got that phone call, there is a groaning and an urgency and a pain and a hollowness that's indescribable. Paul's like, yup, I know that we do that too. We're yearning for that redemption. We're yearning for that restoration. We're groaning inwardly. and We don't have the words. There's so much hurt. What kind of God do we have? Verse 26. Likewise, 
In the same way, creation groans, individuals groan. We have a God who groans with us. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. You guys need to know that when we have nothing to say and when we don't know how to explain it to our children, we can't even talk to our spouses. (laughs) We don't have words to say to God. That's okay. Because the same spirit that we've been talking about in the book of Acts that empowers us and emboldens us and gives us courage to step out and to speak the truth and to share the gospel and to be there for each other and strengthens us in that way is the great comforter. He's called in scripture the paraclete is the Greek word that means one called alongside to help the great counselor, the one who stands beside us and we don't even need to say a word and that's okay. You don't need to explain it. You don't need to understand. We've got the Spirit of God that feels that ache and that groans with us and that can intercede for us even when we don't even know what weighs up. That's where God is in this moment. Talk about the Spirit of God. You talk about Jesus himself. The Lord reminded me of a couple of passages about who is this, this Jesus that, that we're singing about and what's he doing right now? What's he doing right now? Hebrews chapter 4, this familiar passage, verses 14 through 16. What kind of priest is he? What kind of God is this Jesus Christ? It says we've got a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, this Jesus, the Son of God. So let us hold fast to our confession. He's saying, this is what you hold on to. Hold fast to this right here when you're suffering. He says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And I think we hear that verse and we use that verse a lot. And we're like, see, you know, Jesus got tempted as well, right? I mean, he's experienced humanity and, you know, he probably wanted to punch somebody in the face sometime and he got angry. We know that. He probably wanted to sin in his anger and like go beyond or maybe he was tempted to, you know, uh, lust after all the pretty women around or like we say, oh yeah, well, he's been tempted in every way. Like, and we go to those moral type of things. But what about tempted to question God and to doubt God and to, and to just cash it all in and say, I don't understand. But we don't serve a God. We don't serve a, a Christ who is distant, who's far above all that. Who's, I love the way he like sticks it in the negative. Do you notice that? He didn't, like, he didn't just say, hey, Jesus is right there with you and he can sympathize. He said, we don't serve a priest who cannot sympathize. You know what I mean? 
It's like we don't serve somebody who's far off and aloof and distant like all you humans with all you petty little emotions. If you could only see the grand picture like I see the grand picture, that's not the God we serve. He sympathizes and he empathizes and he's right there with us and he's experienced everything that we've experienced. One chapter later, we we get the idea of that in chapter 5. Uh, the, the writer of Hebrews says this. So this is still talking about Jesus. It's like, hey, you know what? Here's how he sympathizes. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayer and supplications. He was calling out to God with loud cries and with tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. When you're crying and when the tears are coming, um, that's okay. And Jesus was there too. And he experienced loss and he experienced death the same as we did. I was reminded of scripture in Matthew chapter 13 that even Christ when he was on the earth and you know, he had a cousin whose name was John the Baptist who went in front of him and paved the way for him and spoke to people and just kind of prepared to usher in and baptize Jesus. And, and then the news got back to Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 that John the Baptist had been murdered. And it says immediately Jesus went off to a desolate place away from everybody else when he heard that news. And I just wonder what was going through his mind and what he was calling out to his father because he experienced that same gut loss and he entered in and at that point he needed solitude and he needed to speak to his father. I read one time that God gave us tears to remind us of the things that matter the most to us. Tears are flowing, that's, that's all right. That just proves our love and standing with other people. And God's aware of those and God is close and God is concerned. It says in Psalm 56, verse 8, David um, says, You have kept count of my tossings. Restless nights, tossing back and forth, waking up, just... Crying out to God, David says, you're accountable. You, you're knowing that this is going on. And he says, you have put my tears in your bottle. Are they not all written in your book? Every single one. Psalm 34, the whole entire psalm would be incredibly helpful for us to dwell on and meditate on and read. But I've just picked out two verses here and this is... When David made a mistake, when David pretended to be insane, when David didn't trust in God. But he says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. For the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Where's God at these moments? He's here. He is close. He is with us. And so, second question really that I want to just try and help us towards. It's like, where's God in this moment? 
He's a suffering God with us. He's an empathetic God with, with us. He's present with us. Where is God? And the second question that I just want to lean into a little bit is, so what do we do now? What do we do now? There's a few thoughts that I wrote down. Love at every point possible. Moments like this, man, they just bring everything into perspective and all the, all the minuscule little scuffles that we have with other people or arguments or whatever, like it just brings it into perspective that this is real life and this is rawness and this is reality and this is code red and this is everything else stops and we reprioritize our lives and we're like, all right, God, show me how to love when, at every point possible. Don't let me waste any time or waste any breath. Let me speak love in every moment that I can and enter into every broken relationship and do what I can to mend it. We need to talk about Hunter. We need to talk about him a lot. I think sometimes we run to busying ourselves with other things or we don't know what to say and we don't say anything and that's okay, but we need to talk about him. Keen and Cynthia need to hear us talking about him. And sending them pictures that we have or memories that we have of him or stories that we have of him. My mind was drawn to the, um, we got to go back to Acts just for a second. But in Acts chapter 9, and this little tidbit's not in the schedule, but it's such a unique little snippet that the writer puts in there. In Acts chapter 9, there was a, woman and her name was Tabitha Um, she was also called Dorcas (laughs) I would have gone with Tabitha to me Tabitha's fine but scripture says there was a lot of people that called her Dorcas and she died and the account in Acts chapter 9 is just so powerful starting in verse 35 I won't read the whole thing to you but it's just A scene not unlike scenes that many of us have been upon, and even in these last few days. In in, in Acts chapter 9, there's there's Tabitha, and there's her body, and there's, it says in the upper room, you know, all the friends are gathered, and that's what needs to happen. People need to band together and just stand together and cry together, and that's the scene in Acts chapter 9, and all the widows, it says specifically, all the widows were gathered together and they're crying and they're telling stories and, and, and it says something so unique in there. It says, and they were all showing each other all of these things that Tabitha had made for them. It says anything objective, any objects, any pictures, like any notes that he's written, any stories about him. It's like there's a healing that says, yeah, man, Tabitha made this for me. Oh, that's crazy. I was cold one winter and she made me this shawl. And look at how beautiful it is. And this idea that they're showing each other and, and by celebrating the things that she did, they were able to honor her life. And that was part of the grieving. We need to talk about them. We need to be the Acts Church. And Matt mentioned that already, and let me just affirm that, that we have been so overwhelmed, and Keen and Cynthia have been so overwhelmed. As we're sitting with them, and we open up my laptop, and, and we see the, 
this, the sign-ups that have been created and 15 out of 15 slots full and 8 out of 8 slots full and meals for the next couple of months, every one full. There's not even an open spot. And it's almost like this church loves people so much that it's like something horrible happens and the enemy has a victory. And it's almost like the church rises up and says, nope, we're going to be here with you and we can't do a lot, but we're going to do what we can do. And you guys have done that. And that means so much to them. To be the church, to rise up in these moments and to stand next to each other in these moments is so imperative. We need to resist the enemy's lies at this moment. And we've got to hear this. Because the enemy was rejoicing. He is the author of evil and confusion and doubt and anger. And he's whispering to all of us, especially those that were close to him. And there's such a temptation to say, man, I shouldn't have. I wish I would have. I could have. Why didn't I? I just saw him. Why didn't I say something? Why didn't I reach out? If only I were more in tune. If only I did this or I did that. We got to resist those things. That's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. I think we can recognize, and Keaton and Cynthia would want to recognize, and honestly, I think Hunter would want to recognize that it's not right what he did. That's not the right answer, and that is never the solution. And kids need to hear that, because I think we just have a tendency to jump, jump so quickly, like not let pain have its full circle of, of anger and silence and resentment and sorrow and aching and groaning and like all of that whole cycle that God is there with us all the way through we we so quickly just want to jump right over here to like hey you know what? he's in a much better place right now and he's with Jesus right now and he's healed right now and whatever was going on in his mind in that moment is gone right now and he's just happy right now and and he's glorious right now and and all of that is true but it was still wrong and that's not the answer and we don't want any kid or any adult to be here and to say, this world is so horrible and it's, and it's too much to bear and I just want to go be with Jesus. That is never the plan. Is God still going to use that somehow for his name? Absolutely. But that's not why it happened. We don't serve some God that just wants to get the ball down the playing field and just get the gospel out so that these things happen so, hey, some kids are going to hear the gospel this afternoon. That's why it happened. You know what I'm saying? It's not, God, it was a mistake. And God redeems even our most awful mistakes. He's been doing it for all of history. But that's not what he wanted. And Hunter right now, I mean, he's in the presence of Jesus. We know that. And he's not condemned right now. He's not condemned right now. But God's got all of us on the earth for a reason. I guess the last thing I just want to bring to us is this whole idea that there's, there's anger within us. 
and we're mad at the enemy for doing this because we feel like this was a victory and when kids are confused and when kids are blaming each other or blaming themselves or when parents are blaming themselves or whatever it is when there's confusion, you know, we get, we want to point, point the blame somewhere, even if it's pointing it at the enemy, like getting mad at the enemy and that's okay. And I guess what, what I'm praying that God would do is like that anger and that bitterness or even getting anger at, angry at Hunter, like, man, why would you do this to us? Like God would somehow transform that anger um, into, into such a zeal and such a passion for righteousness and for good. And that we would be able to overcome this evil with good. And that we somehow righteously turn that around into like even more of a fervor that says, I've got to speak truth to people. I've got to get this out to people. I've got to hold on to what's right and what's good. And that the Lord and the Spirit would truly work in us in that way to transform that for us. So we're never going to know the answers of why this happened. We're never going to know. And we can't change the past. But every single one of us can allow the past to change us. And this tragic event is going to have a ripple effects and waves for a lifetime. This is one of those moments where you're never going to forget where you were when you heard this. For, for so many of us that were so close to this family, just at the, at the epicenter of this church body and this church community, we're never going to forget it. And it's going to have deep, deep-rooted impact on us. And we just have to pray that God would use that in our life to change us. We don't need to know the answer. We don't know the reasoning, and we may never know that reasoning. But we certainly know when we are at our weakest and at our most broken when we've got nothing left and when we don't have any words left, God is there. And when we don't have any energy, the Lord can fill us and hold us. But I just want to, um, us all just bow our heads and close our eyes and just not have any more words right now. Let's just call out to God. Not trying to explain anything. Father, we just are unified in heart. A broken heart, but it's a unified heart. And Jesus, I just pray that you would strengthen us to follow those promptings of your spirit, whatever they might be, whatever you put into our minds to do that can be a ministry to this family. I pray that we'd be more in tune than ever. And God, as the busyness and the noise of all the frivolous fades away, and God, we can listen all the more clearly to you because it's in our brokenness that you can sometimes speak the loudest. God, I pray that you would strengthen us and empower us to do what you would have us to do. And God, that we would focus on who you are right now that we would have that be our refuge and what we're hiding under, God. Just pray that you would have your way, dear Father. Have your way with the Spirit. Just come fill us, God. Come comfort us. 
honored as we sing out about who you are. That this is not about our story. We connect with all the saints throughout history that have experienced tragedy beyond measure. Even your son Jesus. God, even you as our father, you know what it's like to lose a son.